global crisis. Bible prophecy. Health and preparedness. You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for, once again, the little members of your family that we have the privilege to train for you. And even those watching this who are not parents, we thank you also that the privilege that you've given to them to be an example and to learn these same principles that we might all take an interest in the children. For we know that they will be the ones that present the final message. We pray for your blessing as we study. Please speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we ended session one on a very important George Barna finding that I want to use for the entirety of session two. Session two is all about the big task of making little disciples. So the last thing we heard last session was that successful parents disciple their children. The parents who had success in raising spiritually strong young adults actually viewed it as their job. Not the church, not the pastor, not the church school. It was their job to open the Word of God, to teach them of Jesus, to win their souls. And that is hugely important because every family is a church over which the parents preside. The first consideration of parents should be to work for the salvation of their children. It is perilous to leave this solemn duty in the hands of others. Did you hear that? Perilous. This is not an option. This is your job. Whether we are sensible of it or not, as we heard in session one, to train these children for the Lord. Now you might say, well, at what age is my child really able to become a Christian? As soon as a child can love and trust his mother, then he can love and trust Jesus as the friend of his mother. One of the first sounds that should attract their attention is the name of Jesus. And in their earliest years, they should be led to the footstool of prayer. Their minds should be filled with the stories of the life of the Lord and their imaginations encouraged in picturing the glories of the world to come. So have your kids at the feet of Jesus. Let the youth follow his example in finding at dawn and twilight a quiet season for communion with their Father in heaven. Could our children learn these lessons in the morning of their years? What freshness and power, what joy and sweetness would be brought into their lives. Isn't that wonderful? If they have no knowledge of Christ, though, this is, the, this is the flip side. If they have no connection with heaven, they will have no moral power. And they will, be, they will yield to earthly potentates who have assumed to exalt themselves above the God of heaven in establishing a spurious Sabbath to take the place of the Sabbath of Jehovah. And wouldn't that be tragic? In fact, one of the things that George Barna found in his research is that successful parents do delve into matters of faith as a family unit. They open the word of God together as a family. And less than one in ten families, Christian families in America today, is opening the Bible together as a family. I know that sounded crazy. That is a fact established by Barna's research. Less than one in ten families, Christian families, I should say, are opening the word of God together. No wonder people... Don't understand this. The Sabbath truth or many other doctrines have been totally deceived and warped in people's minds because they're not studying for themselves. So let's read on that. Spread out the word of God before your families in love and ask, what hath God spoken? 
then why is there such a lack of missionary spirit in the churches? This is a question many of us are asking. Why is Laodicea so Laodicean? Why do we not have more missionary fervor and spirit and power and passion to do the work of the Lord? Here's the answer. It is because there is a neglect of home piety. The teaching of the Bible truth is the great and grand work which every parent should undertake. In a pleasant, happy frame of mind, place the truth as spoken by God before the children. In all that men have written, where can be found anything that has such a hold upon the heart, anything so well adapted to awaken the interest of the little ones as the stories of the Bible? Oh, they love them. Instead of speaking vain words and telling idle tales to their children, they will talk with them upon Bible subjects. Notice here it says, fiction. Vain stories, idle tales. There's a whole section on fiction in the undoctrinated. And that is something that will really ruin the relish of the Word of God for children. If they're immersed in fictional types of reading, and even worse, our our worldly media today, that's hyper-stimulating. So I'll leave that for undoctrinated. I won't repeat all those things here. But we're opening the Word of God to the kids. We're having Bible stories continually read, continually talked about. And it's not just at, at, at set times and seasons either. It's throughout the day. We just live religious, spiritual experiences. Under a wise instructor, the Word will become more and more desirable. It will be to them as the bread of life. Parents have themselves to blame if they do not make the Bible intensely interesting to their children. Parents should feel it a sacred duty to instruct their children in the statutes and requirements of God, as well as in the prophecies. We're teaching the law and the prophets. And so as parents, you know, we're actually teachers of the Bible. So it's not just the stories. It's, you know, this is, this is the whole totality of teaching spiritual religious matters. It's, it's our job. We are the disciplers of our children. Yes, they'll learn from other sources as well, but 99% of the learning that our children will do will be from, from mom and dad, particularly at early ages. In order to do this work, if you're feeling a little insecure about your ability to teach the Bible, well, you have to yourself become acquainted with the Word of God. So my wife recently became acquainted with the Word of God much better when she had a 10-day um, intensive Bible study experience at Emmanuel Institute. And um, that was an intensive experience for Dad as well. Set aside uh, it was a lot of work to, to focus on the kids during that time. And uh, that, that my wife learned the Word of God much better. And if you're feeling like you know, you're not capable of that, I can't be a teacher. Well, you know, let's, let's get that preparation underway before we become parents. If you're already a parent, here's a suggestion. The use of object lessons, blackboards, maps, and pictures. See, you're like a teacher. <laughs> it will be an aid in explaining these Bible lessons and fixing them in the memory. Parents and teachers should constantly seek for improved methods. The teaching of the Bible should have our freshest thought, our best methods, and our most earnest effort. So where is your time in the week where you're preparing and planning and devising and strategizing for how to best teach the Bible to the children? That's part of what it means to be the disciplers of our children, which George Barna found was what successful parents did. And there are tons of resources out there. Just go online. We like to use audio types of things, which I mentioned for personal devotions, but also we'll play a lot of scripture songs for our kids. They learn tremendous amounts of scripture by being by just listening to the songs, and they memorize it effortlessly. Uh, also, we have uh, Bible on, on CDs, Bible on audio, and so we're just playing that as we're driving, playing Bible stories, and they learn that way. So, so they ask for it. The Word of God should be judiciously brought upon the youthful minds. This will require time, perseverance, and prayer, 
This should be attended to even if some things about the house are neglected. Observe system in the study of the scriptures in your families. Neglect anything of a temporal nature, but be sure that the soul is fed with the bread of life. This is the most important thing. It is impossible to estimate the good result of one hour or even half an hour each day devoted in a cheerful social manner to the word of God. And as parents become learners with their children, they will find their own growth in a knowledge of the truth more rapid. So we've got some learning to do as well. We learn with our kids. We learn by constantly being in the Word of God, constantly discussing it. It's woven throughout the day, not just for set times and seasons. So you discuss the Bible stories as you're going about your day. Relate daily experiences to Bible stories. Boy, you're being such a good helper like, like Samuel must have been to Eli in the temple. Or, or boy, you're, you're being very obedient right now like Jesus was when he was a boy. And so you, you have conversations, you talk about the Bible themes all the time, but also when they are tried, tempted, or discouraged, cite them to its precious words of comfort and gently lead them to put their trust in Jesus. Now we saw earlier that it's you know, during times of reproof and discipline, and also when they're tempted, discouraged, that Jesus is woven into their experience, that there are set times also. In fact, one thing that Barna found is that successful parents use the Bible in ways that were relevant to a specific incident or phase in the child's life. So you don't really need to make the Bible relevant. It already is relevant. We just have to bring that relevancy out and help them to become aware of it. But also there are the set times. The hour of prayer should not be neglected for any consideration. We're talking about family worship here. This is where uh, Abraham, morning and evening sacrifices in the Old Testament. And, and this is something that they will, they will come to expect and experience as a part of their daily life. And when, when we commit to doing that, when we commit to doing what Barna found, that successful parents emphasize that, ch- that the children learn how to pray, study the Bible, and worship, when that becomes a daily experience, it's just like set mealtimes. It's just like bedtime. It's just like... Breathing. It's just part of what it means to be human. This is the bread of life. This is what they need more than any food or regular meals. This is the spiritual food that will feed them and nourish them. You are not to pray occasionally, and when you have a large day's work to do, neglect it. In thus, in thus doing, you lead your children to look upon prayer as of no special consequence. There is no reason why this should not be the most interesting and enjoyable exercise of the home life. And as I was thinking about this with our especially little ones, and a lot of my anecdotes and stories are from the little age, and you can apply these same principles where, where it fits with older kids, but with, especially with small children, they have to learn how to sit still. That's a part of life, learning how to sit still in church, at the dinner table, etc. But I wouldn't utilize the worship time as the only and primary time to be teaching the very stern lesson of sitting still. Uh, because that, that, you know, that's to be the most joyful time. Yes, they should learn, but don't use only that time, because then that time's always going to be miserable. So we want it to be joyful. We want it to be positive. I like this one about Moses directed the Israelites to set the words of the law to music while the older children played on instruments. The younger ones marched, singing in concert the songs of God's commandments. No doubt it will require effort and planning and some sacrifice to accomplish this, but the effort will be richly repaid. So more about family worship. Let the father, he's the priest of the home, select a portion of scripture that is interesting and easily understood. A few verses will be sufficient to furnish a lesson which may be studied and practiced through the day. Questions may be asked 
A few earnest, interesting remarks made or incident shortened, shortened to the point may be brought in the way of illustration. At least a few verses of spirited song may be sung, and the prayer offered should be short and pointed. The one who leads in the prayer should not pray about everything, but express his needs in simple words and praise God with thanksgiving. It will add to the interest of the children if they are sometimes permitted to select the reading. Let them join in song, if it be but a single verse. Better to have a single verse than nothing. In teaching children the Bible, we may gain much by observing the bent of their minds, the things in which they are interested. By the way, we're not the model. I feel very insecure and weird even about using illustrations from my own experience because I know how how weak and how, um, how, how frail I am as a parent. And every single parent feels that way, by the way. If you um, sometimes feel, oh, I don't have what it takes. Oh, there's so many wonderful, great parents out there, and I'm just not good enough, and I'm a failure, and I'm a loser. Join the club. <laughs> every single one of us feels like a failure as a parent. And so just, just to be aware of that, just an honest from the heart moment, that you know, I do feel, you know, I, I love my family, and I love using them as illustrations, but always look to Jesus as the model, which goes without saying. Always look to the scriptures. Always look to the spirit of prophecy. That's the standard. You know, yes, we are told in spirit of prophecy to look at families who've had success and say, okay, how are they doing it? And so, yeah, find those families who have grown kids in your community and say, how did you get your kids to be such spiritually strong young adults? And consult Barna's research as we're doing. And that's a, that's a valuable thing. You're listening to 11th Hour Dispatch with author, teacher and speaker Scott Ritzmer. For more programs and information, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. So you've heard how our school system was designed to reduce individuality, right? Well, the research is in. It has worked. 98% of preschoolers demonstrate creative genius in tests for divergent thinking. So we're all born with this creative ability. But after five years of modern schooling methods... Only 32% of kids still have it. After five more years of school, only 10% still have it. This is no surprise since our system was admittedly designed for this very purpose. It's time to wake up, to come apart and be separate, saith the Lord. The DVD series is called Schooled. The deliberate agenda to reduce individuality, destroy intelligence, and re-engineer society. In Schooled, You'll hear it straight from the mouths of the founders of modern schooling themselves. They're quite proud of it. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com and use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a of men. Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Continuing on, this is what we're to teach in every lesson of the Bible, that God is love, is to be, to be taught by every lesson in our family worship. Christ should be associated with all the lessons given to the children. And by the way, in addition to family worship, we're to do this. Fathers and mothers, obtain all the help you can from the study of our books and publications. Take the time, take time to read to your children. Form a home reading circle in which every member of the family shall lay aside the busy cares of the day and unite in study. So you've got a lot of opportunities and a lot of times in your day where you're doing various different spiritual things. 
Now, since you're committing to instructing them constantly in the Word of God and having morning and evening worship, you know what's going to happen? This is going to happen. Just what these parents did. The number one focus of these parents was to develop their children's characters. That's what it means to be discipling our children. It means to bring them to Jesus, help them to love the Word, bring the spiritual atmosphere into our homes, but, but we're working on character development. That's what we're going to spend the rest of this session on. Hugely important. We're going to look at a bunch of different character traits. And we're going to be moving fast. So here we go. God has given parents their work to form the characters of their children after the divine pattern. By His grace, they can accomplish the task. But it will require patient, painstaking effort, no less than firmness and decision, to guide the will and restrain the passions. A field left to itself produces only thorns and briars. So you might ask, starting right out of the gates, when do we start forming our children's characters? Here it is, from babyhood. The character of the child must be molded. The parent's work must begin with the child in its infancy. And babies can be taught to come when called. They can crawl over to, uh, to, to ask with a please. Our, our, our children did the, the sign language for please. And you never want them to be able to just demand something and get it. They always have to get... Permission, make requests, you know, even from, from the time they're a baby. Uh, your, your job of training your children from babyhood is an effort to help them to become the way you want them to be in the future. So you don't say to yourself, ah, just when they get older, the old will handle that. We'll say, no, how do we take that principle of what we want them to be like later and, and apply it at their level? And that's going to take thought and effort and time and planning. If Christian mothers would present to society children with integrity of character, with firm principles and sound morals, they will have performed. You ready for it? The most important of all missionary labors. Their children, thoroughly educated to take their place in society, are the greatest evidence of Christianity that can be given to the world. Oh, now you're motivated, aren't you? I sure am. I want my children to have that kind of character where I'm proud to bring them out in public, where our family can be stronger evidence to Christianity than all of the sermons ever preached. These are character traits fit for heaven. Ready for the first one? Health. The first study of the young should be to know themselves and how to keep their bodies in health. Now you might say, Scott, how in the world is health a character trait? Well, think about this. How much misbehavior in children is due to the fact that they haven't had enough sleep, they haven't had regular meal times, they've been snacking between meals or they haven't had a meal, they've been, they've been eating sugar and unhealthy things. I actually, my wife and I went to the, the pediatrician for our first one, Levi, and he's actually, this was for this, Silas went for a bit and then we're just like, we're done with this because he actually said, um, you know, it's probably time for him to start solids. And my wife was of the mindset that we should start a little later. And we're just like politely, you know, okay. And he said, what I recommend you do is get a bowl of cheese nips and just put it out there on the coffee table. And the baby will come over, crawl over and get some cheese nips when he's hungry and just start eating casually on his own, chewing on cheese nips, eating them whenever he wants. <laughs> First of all, cheese nips, really? I mean, that's the best health message that we can get from a pediatrician. So anyway. Health matters for spiritual development. If you're eating constantly, then the stomach is working constantly, makes you irritable, it makes kids misbehave more. And here's the quotes on it. The importance of training children to write dietetic habits can hardly be overestimated. Recklessness in regard to bodily health tends to recklessness in moral character. There's the connection. Do not neglect to teach your children how to cook. In, do, in so doing, you impart to them principles which they must have in their religious education. 
We've found personally in our home that when the kids help grow the food in the garden, that they actually enjoy cooking it more. They enjoy eating it more. It's, it brings the whole experience into the realm of reality. Instead of this isolated thing of you pull a box off the shelf at the store and you, you know, pour it in the bowl or you, you know, make something. It, it's from scratch. It's real. We helped grow it. We planted the seeds. Now we see it here in the kitchen. We cook it this way. It just makes it more real, more fun. Parents should train the appetites of their children and should not permit the use of unwholesome foods. And by the way, if they get this right, the children will become the health police. You will find that you have to do another sort of training because they will start announcing in public, loudly, uh, what you're eating is not healthy. You drink coffee? And you know, this guy, they'll start pointing out all these unhealthy things. They're like, oh, okay, son. Let me teach you about being tactful and, you know, respecting other people's choices and they have the freedom to. But anyway, kids will become the health police, which is a good thing. You know, they've internalized it. Grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables constitute the diet chosen for us by our creator. Meat should not be placed before our children. Its influence is to excite and strengthen the lower passions and has a tendency to deaden the moral powers. Clear enough there on health. Let's move on to another character trait. We're talking about characters, training, fit for heaven. Second one here, truthfulness. Our God is perfect honesty and truth. The Bible says God does not, God cannot lie. So in our family, we reserve some of our most firm consequences for any occasion where the truth has not been told sufficiently. When any sort of distortion of the truth, lying ever would take place. The firmest consequence that we have is for that. Uh, but also... Another, another way that we distort the truth, it's not so much lying, but it's not truthfulness. When we joke as adults, when we make jokes, where we say things that aren't true, like to us, it's just light humor, it's just silliness, it's sarcasm, it's exaggeration, it's whatever we might call it. But to kids, they get confused. They don't understand that. And also, it's just not truthful. So we've tried to eliminate that in our home, which brings to another character trait because it's related too much just joking and jesting and you know all of this kind of thing is it borders sometimes on the irreverent and we've lost our sense of reverence in our culture today so we make sure to not have one thing we learned from our first one levi he loves anything silly and that started to bleed into the spiritual uh into family worship no levi we make a distinction between times where we can be silly and times where we need to be reverent. So we don't joke about spiritual things. We don't do gibberish and silly words with spiritual things. Uh, Levi, as I mentioned, loved gibberish. And uh, so w- what we allowed him to do for a while, and then we learned our lesson, we, we said, okay, um, when you do gibberish in public and or, or with friends, with family, with people at church, and you just start saying words, they don't understand what you're saying, and it's confusing to them, and it's rude, and we don't want to do that. Um, so we said, well, we'll allow gibberish in the home. Well, then we realized that was a mistake. To say, only do it in the home, well, that he's learning the habit of doing it. Oh, that, was, that was not very intelligent. So we said, no more gibberish. And we just, we just got rid of it because he, he got old enough. And, you know, it was part of his verbal development very early and fine. You know, you want to you wanna have a balance there. But it's a matter of respect, a matter of, of reverence, especially in spiritual things and, and being respectful for others as well. By your own example, teach your children to pray. We're talking about reverence here. Pray with clear, distinct voice. Thus, they can offer their simple prayers, repeating the Lord's Prayer in concert. I shared this quote with my son, Levi. He he appreciates seeing that it's in spirit of prophecy, and he really takes it to heart. He's like, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. Is that what child guidance says? And then we also read the hour and place of prayer and the services of public worship. The child should be taught to regard as sacred because God is there. Parents should not only teach but command their children to enter the sanctuary with sobriety and reverence. 
In some cases, they are even allowed to run about the house, play, talk, and manifest their evil tempers in the very meetings where the saints should worship God in the beauty of holiness. This is enough to bring God's displeasure and shut his presence from, from our assemblies. Children are too often found in groups, away from the parents, who should have charge of them, notwithstanding they are in the presence of God and his eye is looking upon them. They are light and trifling. They whisper and laugh, are careless, irreverent, and inattentive. So why don't we just stay as a family when we're at church? We're going to talk in the next session about being together as a family. But another character trait is orderliness. Barna found, actually, that successful parents provided an orderly, predictable world where children feel secure when they know what the expectations are. We're going to talk about that in the fourth session on, on behavior, children's behavior. This is hugely helpful. But let's also see the quotes on this. If the youth would form habits of regularity and order, they would improve in health, in spirits, in memory, and in disposition. Mothers, teach your children from the earliest years that they are not to look upon everything in the home as playthings for them. By these little things, order is taught. Speaking of playthings, do not give the children playthings that are easily broken. To do this is to teach lessons in destructiveness. Let them have a few playthings and let these be strong and durable. Now, a few is a word that I've had to bring home again and again in my mind. We have stretched the definition of a few sometimes because toys just abundantly add up in our world trade globalist society. We have cheap toys and they're just floating around everywhere for a nickel at the, gro at the garage sale. And uh, we get presents and gifts and they just show up and people bring them over. And where did this come from? And you've got to be paring it down. Use this as lessons for giving away, sacrificing, selling things to earn money, um, sharing toys with others. And also what we've started to do is ask family members not to give toys for presents because we have enough. We have too many. And so um, trying to, we'll talk about presents in a bit, trying to find ways to, to really edify their lives and not having so many toys. Let, the, let them have a place to lay their things so it's orderly. We're talking about order. And be taught to fold every article neatly and put it in its place. This work of teaching neatness and order will take a little time each day. But it will pay in the future of your children, and in the end will save you much time and care. Isn't that something? How about another character trait of cleanliness, connected with orderliness? We, you read in Spirit of Prophecy to help them to eat in a tidy manner, in a clean manner, to keep the premises tidy and take a daily bath. And you might say, really, is this stuff Christian character stuff? Have you ever read Leviticus? The book of Leviticus, how to make sure that you're not spreading diseases, the, the, the skin conditions, and how to contain that, and things about sanitary cleanness. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with spirituality? That's in the Bible. And we don't follow it in terms of the ceremonial aspect of it, but the principles are still there for us. Show them that uncleanness, whether in body or in dress, is objectionable to God. Whether supplied by their parents or by their own earnings, let boys and girls learn to select and purchase their own clothing. So we're on to the next character trait of frugality here. Their own clothing, their books, and their other necessities. And by keeping an account of their expenses, they will learn as they could learn in no other way the value and use of money, helping them learn economy, frugality. Let the children be given little pieces of land to cultivate that they may have something to give as a free will offering. So they learn the right use of money by using it. They learn to earn money, to work, to, to, to use it properly as we train them in that. And that brings us to another one as well, because if you're learning frugality, 
They're also going to learn simplicity and humility because you're not living an ostentatious type of life. Vanity should not be encouraged by praising their looks, their words, or their actions, nor should they be dressed in an expensive and showy manner. This encourages pride in them and awakens envy in the hearts of their companions. In many families, the seeds of vanity and selfishness are sown in the hearts of the children almost during babyhood. Their cunning little sayings and doings are commented upon and praised in their presence and repeated with exaggeration to others. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. A book called Mind, Character, and Personality, this quotation was stated. Through the channel of mesmerism, and that's another word for hypnotism, Satan comes more directly to the people of this generation and works with that power, which is to characterize his efforts near the close of probation. The time we have to make a decision for or against Christ in these last days and to share the message of the everlasting gospel. So I believe that's right now. I believe we're in the last days right now. So I'm going, hmm, is it possible that Satan is using hypnotism today for his ends? The method of hypnotism is a brainwashing, manipulative technique that doesn't allow the person freedom of choice. And so that would be one of Satan's methods, not one of God's. Brought to you by Belt of Truth Ministries.org.